Greetings, salutations, and football vibrations. This is another installment of All In with Atlas United. I am your host, football extraordinaire, Nick Maitland, aka the King of the Roots Jungle. And joining me here is a very special guest and a very special member of Atlas United, Mr. AON Skills. I think his name is Adrian Wilkinson, but of course, he will introduce himself to you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot, Ma. Yeah, as, as you said, better known as AON Skills. Some people say Skills for short, but uh, my real name is Adrian Wilkinson, though. Now the, uh, the manager and also defensive coach at Atlas United. Manager and defensive coach. I think those two titles go together somehow, but we'll see in the course of this interview, this course of this episode, how mm. well they mesh and how your job is so important. Now, first of all, um, I my first interaction or first recollection of you is mm. not in a footballing capacity. <laughs> I does hear you pun 98.1. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and before we get into anything football related, I must commend you because you are responsible for giving a lot of local artists, a lot of local musicians, some shine. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's very respectable of persons, especially in this field, in our field. You Correct. just want to give somebody some shine and, you know, help them along, help them up the ladder, as it were, as it relates to this entertainment industry. So now I believe that you are transmitting those powers into our culture of football. So first, tell me about your involvement with Atlas and how you managed to balance your hectic schedule with, you know, helping young footballers, inexperienced footballers as well, up the totem pole, as it were. Um, firstly, first and foremost, I love to share knowledge and I always believe that uh, if you have the capacity, the ability, the power to share knowledge with someone who you believe needs it or if you just... If someone seeks help from you, it shouldn't be an issue for you to share the knowledge, um, point them in a particular direction and so on. Because um, I also teach a course at Parkinson as well. So mm-hmm. um, my brother, Inchi, uh, better known as Ronaldo, he he reached out to me and said, um, he had this guy, Craig, looking at the door for football club and he he want me to help coach. So I, at first I thought that it would have been like, you know, a, a couple months or so. But as time went on and I got to meet the guys and I really get to meet with Craig. And Craig is an amazing person as well. Very mm-hmm. They get to Craig all the time, you know. Yeah, very knowledgeable guy. Um, it's, it's been a, a great journey so far and it's been my first time officially coaching because I assisted um Mike Cummins of Parkinson as well, who's my uncle, in um, coaching some of the, the younger guys at an out-of-season tournament a couple of years ago as well. So I've been around football um, in my own little world, but knowledgeable of football for a good while now because when I was younger, <laughs> he had me watching a lot of Leeds tapes, Leeds United mm. tapes. So okay. come- yeah, and watching it from a coaching point too, not just just for watching it sit. So I learned a lot about football in the early stages and I went, went and played football for the school. 
uh, of course, a couple of local clubs and so on. And obviously, the dream didn't come true to go and play for United and stuff, but <laughs> you can I, do had things similar, I had a similar dream, so I understand <laughs> how you feel. Yeah, I always wanted to coach, though, um, even down to things like, uh, I, and I still do not watch a lot of videos. I like to watch a lot of uh, behind the scenes um, tapes with clubs to see how certain things are run. Um, I, I ticked uh, FM manager, me and, and Inchi. We used to take it a lot, take out a lot of our time coaching on FM. And uh, I even, even learned a lot from that. So finally getting the stage now where I can actually, you know, share my, my knowledge, the things that I learned on to some inexperienced guys and uh, they have been growing so far they have come so so far and um i really do commend the guys for putting in the work and the things can only get better from here um to the latter part of the question or the balance boy uh kudos to kurt brown if he's listening to this right now because he is one guy that always taught me about organizing and structure. He always used to preach structure, structure when he was working for him at shipping. And I didn't understand it until I had this hectic workload. And it to me, it, right now I have it down to a time for me to go sleep and a time that I have to wake up regardless of what I ha- whatever I have to do the next day. So for example, my alarm will go off at 2 for me to shut down whatever I'm doing, sleep, wake up at 8 or 9, and then do whatever I got to do. Um, I usually live by my phone with the schedule um, and my clocks. My clocks in the house are set 10 to 15 minutes ahead. Same thing with the car um, because I, I believe as long as I can be there on time. And I hate people wasting my time too, but, you know, everybody's not in the same, same mind frame. But the workload can be tiring, but I always believe that the people who are taking any knowledge will benefit greatly from it. So that being the guys at Parkinson and everybody at Atlas, even the, the background the backroom staff and everything. Mm-hmm. So this this philosophy you have, this you know managing your time well and being organized, yeah. I assume or I, I would hope that it will help you in your role as a football team manager. So how how is being a manager of Atlas United, a new upcoming club, how is that different from the day-to-day coaching? How is that different from managing your own business, your own um, career? Um, truthfully, it's not a big difference if I compare managing my career and also my AON team because one thing that I do, and I heard Craig speak about it as well, is having a, a certain relationship with those uh, around you. I, I don't just want to call them work colleagues, but um, to me, Alice is also a family, like, likewise AON. So, like, for example, no, I would have been checking out on some of the guys to make sure that, you know, they're, they're going through the workouts and some who still working, making sure that they're staying safe on the road. Um, some even express some stressful issues and, you know, we talked about it. So, um, at any day, it's not all about football. And, just glad that they understand they can you know come and speak to me about anything and i could share what knowledge i have i can even learn things from them too and same thing i expressed with my my aon team my own manager 
she resonates that same theory too. We we try to look out for each other every day because it's not just about the business. Indeed, we can't we can't just make it all about what we have gathered for. You know, we've gathered to play football, gathered to be a club, but you can't yeah. just make it all about that. You have to be um, a well-rounded individual who can be functional in many different aspects of life. And I think right. that embodies a lot of the footballers, especially the management to of Atlas United. It's not just a football club, as you said. It is Correct. a family. So Correct. how how do you go about establishing this this sort of philosophy, this sort of ethos at Atlas United, making it a family affair? Well, for one, um, I try to make sure, uh, like, for example, at training, um, you know, you can speak to the guys on a normal basis. It doesn't have to be, I'm speaking above you kind of thing. Uh, we're just talking on a one-on-one. Um, if you need to pull somebody aside for whatever reason or after a game, all those things we do, like um, we hang around after games, not just the the staff, but a couple of players might stay back and we just talk generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, yes, we will talk about the game and certain things and then it flows on to other things. Um, they sometimes ask me a lot of stuff about music and things too, so I share those things as well. Um, so I just try to be an open ear or door for them as much as possible. I try to let them know that they can't be themselves. Uh, I try to be myself as much as possible around the game too, so that's, that's, that's as simple as I can put it right now. The thing is, now, everybody who's involved in football, involved in a football club, everybody has yeah. this love of football that began mm-hmm. somewhere. Now, yeah. based on our previous conversation, you said that you're a United fan. This is yeah. Manchester United or this is some other United? <laughs> this is Leeds United? Manchester United. Okay. See, well, I'm a United fan as well. And coming up, Sweet. I had a lot of United players who were my idols or influences. Wayne Rooney, you know, Paul Scholes. More famously, mm-hmm. Dimitar Berbatov. So, mm-hmm. who are who are some of your personal football idols, in, whether in playing, in management, that you aspire to be like, or aspire to have your career modeled after? Uh, at the time, well, right now, my favorite three players. Let me say four. My favorite four players are. It started with Paolo Maldini mm-hmm. at Milan. I always wanted to. I I always had a. a uh, I for defending rather than scoring. Ah, yes. uh, so Maldini was always my guy. And then I learned more about the midfield passing role. So then I eased on to Michael Carrick, obviously at United. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a flashy guy. You know, get to the point, really play, pass the ball, job finish. Uh, but when it comes to flair and, and fun, Ronaldinho... Uh, I can't forget uh, the original Ronaldo R9, a.k.a. Fat Man. And uh, that's four, but more recently, Paul Pogba, mainly because of his size. Like, for a guy that size, he should not be that good. Yeah, very silky so, on the ball he is. Yeah, because when I when I play football or scrimmage or whatnot, uh, guys always used to, you know, look over me because of my size. And then when he touched the ball two and three times or whatever, then people be like, yo, Fat Man got touches. <laughs> <laughs> it was always a dream to, to guys that big and, and, and got the talent, man, even like LeBron in basketball. So, mm-hmm. so you're always made. So, moving on that, that LeBron thing, what about Zion, Zion Williamson? You like, you like Zion Williamson too, then? Love him. Uh, Love him. 
I understand. <laughs> but you listen though, I can't yeah. tolerate you calling Ronaldo the Brazilian Ronaldo uh-huh. fat man. That I feel that kind of disrespectful. <laughs> no, no, but phenom- I mean... phenomenal. Phenomenal. You can't call him fat man just because they got another Ronaldo there so playing at Juventus. You can't right. disrespect the man and call him fat man, man. He might get bigger. Yeah, than nah, it's, it's not. It's not disrespect to him. Even when, even when he put on size, he was still, he was still R nine. It was just a, you know, call him R nine. R nine. Yes. All right. Yeah, yeah, we can work with that there then. <laughs> yeah, so, man. So your plans for for Atlas? I know coming in coming into the club when you were asked to perform this role and perform these duties, you would have had your own, I guess, philosophy, your own idea of how you wanted things to go, how you wanted to impact the club in your own way. So what are some of your plans off the top of your head, things that you want to implement or the way in which you want to operate? Um, I, I, I completely agree with the overall philosophy of the club. Um, but what I, what I wanted to bring to the club, obviously, is to... The, the same the same family movement and we're already on that page um I, I would i want atlas to be a household brand not just a club so i want to be looking around and seeing atlas jerseys um people talking about atlas on all forms not just twitter and, and ig like everywhere like everywhere you can find a united fan a liverpool fan any bar etc so that is is the goal that I would love to have for Atlas, especially coming from an island like Barbados in the Caribbean, where we are so small in the football world, but we can make big grounds outside of the football world as well. So things like you know stretching the brand outside of football, of course having um female teams, youth teams, uh, empowering the youngsters to do certain things outside of football in, in the community. Those are the kind of things that I'm looking forward to helping Atlas with in the long run. Um, you, you have a good set of players there. You have players who uh, have experience playing for other clubs. You have players who maybe this is their first club. So how do, yeah. you, how do you as team manager get everybody on side with the goals and plans, especially the discipline also of the yeah. club? Because, you know, some players who've been the local scene for a few seasons may think they have arrived. And then some other players mm-hmm. may think maybe a bit timid around the other ones mm-hmm. who may have more confidence having played in the league longer. So how do you get everyone on side and get everyone following the discipline and really helping each other along the journey? Uh, it's really a pretty good question. And um, I just only ask good questions, brother. Um, every player is different. Every player has different ways to learn and also to respond. Um, what we do is, or what I do, I should say, uh, we try to speak to the guys differently because, you know, you might be at training and we may be encouraging someone to have more communication. Like we have a couple of players that we've been trying to, to get them to communicate more on the field. It's been working slowly but surely with some with others, it's been working faster. So uh, patience is one thing that you need to have when you're working with different characters and uh, different characteristics of people and so on. And you can't go to every player with the same the same attitude or the same kind of message. You kind of have to know who 
where and when with certain players. Like for example, you said the experienced players. I can't go to I can't go to an experienced player with an uh, amateur kind of of uh, instructions. You gotta come with them with, with something a little different that they can understand and have that conversation. Uh, so patience, um, the different types of communication, whereas you can do it on the field. And sometimes we, we, we ourselves get involved in the training so that players that might be saying, man, coaches just be talking and them can't do name. You know, so we would get involved. And then that's one other aspect that we have shut down as well. That's one thing I learned from also playing cricket at Comer too. Yeah, you ain't with, uh, Roddy S. Yeah, bro. Yeah, listen, listen, man. We got nothing common, man. We went Comer. You support Manchester <laughs> United. I feel like we should have been friends from a long time ago. Skills. Everything in time, bro. Yeah, man. Everything in time. Cricket with Comer, Roddy S. Yeah, because I myself I would have been guilty of because I mean I was always I was always a big guy, but mm-hmm. he has some rigorous training where we would have been running ten fifteen laps around the school, and you know how Roddy is big tall fellow with a big belly. Uh, everybody <laughs> used to be, me, Carlos Buffett, uh Stephen Blackett, we on uh-huh. top and we used to be like, oh, God, we running all these laps and he can't run five laps, <laughs> and it got where he can't approve us wrong and he ran the laps leading the pack and he finished without most of us behind him wow so yeah so he like things that always resonated with me um in life and i said like you know leading by example is a great way of communication as well it doesn't always have to be words so i'm glad that all the coaches get involved in the training i mean it sometimes it'd be tiring but at any day you're doing it for the club, mm-hmm. so I don't mind. Very true. What other what other qualities, uh, whether from a team manager, somebody in the administrative side of it, uh, the coaches? What what qualities must a coach have, or should coaches have, um, in order to breed or cultivate a successful team? Oh, oh, that's another good question. Uh, oh, as I'm still learning, I just, I just got these questions in the chamber, you know. <laughs> as I'm still learning, though, um, I'm I actually learned a lot from being around the club, um, especially with Craig. Like his analysis is so deep when it comes to the football, but yet simple, because you can at times you can overthink things, so. For me, that's one aspect that I believe you should know uh, what what to do and what not to do when it comes to coaching. Uh, there's nothing wrong with learning from other players and other other teams what to do and what not to do. Um, what like watching videos, watching past games, picking up certain things that you need to pick up, and then the method of sharing it to the players, um, where you can use video analysis stats. Or even some things as simple as uh, setting up cones on the field, so you can paint the picture, and then see it illustrated. And then even in a game, go back and show the guys, hey, like y'all remember we were doing certain sort of drill when they put on the cones and so on. Look at it in, in in the clip because you might not realize as as a player because you're going to do your job. So again, communication, patience, uh, the know when, the know how. And never 
think that you know everything as a coach. You can also learn things from your players. So always have an open mind when it comes to listening to your players. Don't just listen to respond either. Listen and try to understand each other and move on. Because, I mean, families have arguments too. Everybody can't agree on the same things. Family, families have arguments. So those are things that, those are qualities that you should have as a coach and um, in general dealing with people as well because it can go a long way in the future. Yep. You know, what also goes a long way is humility and the ability to admit where you've gone wrong, if you've gone wrong, and to understand that you Correct. don't know everything. And I think for footballers especially, they want to be with a coach yeah. who knows a lot, but not one that mm-hmm. acts as though he knows everything. So I think that's also a, a very important characteristic of coaching, and especially in this era that we live in this social media quick era this 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 period of time where everything is at your fingertips so really and truly we Mm -hmm. all are geniuses because we can just pull out our phones and google something and we have that information there but it's still a level of humility that you have to exhibit when you're working with young men especially and when you're working with people that you're teaching a, a very skillful game and still a very physical game um, in the in the mode of humility, though, your plans, your your own personal plans, whether it be beyond Atlas, beyond football, um, where do you see yourself, see yourself as an administrator, as a footballer, as a DJ, um, down the line, and and maybe still contributing to Atlas? Um, as long as as long as as the guys that are still involved the guys and the ladies sorry are still that are still involved in the club are there that is where you want to be in regards to football um with regards to djing and, and radio notes and this is no i've now started my fourth year on radio and i've reached milestones that i wanted to reach in year five so i am now i have now set some more goals for the next two three years uh, although the Rona has <laughs> pushed back certain yeah. things. Uh, yeah, I recently um, got a manager for St. Lucia as well, so I'm looking to do some touring, and I really hope that it doesn't, um, it doesn't mesh, it doesn't clash with my my Atlas teachings and, and, and so on, and I can still communicate with the guys. That's where technology uh, is a big thing for me, because as, as long as I can wake up on the morning and send a, a message to the guys and see if, see how everybody's doing and so on. That's cool for me until I, you know, get back and that kind of thing. But I'm looking to be more of a broadcaster in in radio than just a radio announcer um, and also get into more production. Those are the things I want to do within the next five to ten years or so. More more so on the, the, the closer future than further away. So let's say three to five years. Mm-hmm. Well, as you said, you, you are exceeding your own expectations. So here's hoping that you exceed even more expectations as you go towards the future. Um, before we wrap up, though, Definitely. I wanted to shed a little light on the backroom staff because in when you think about football clubs, you always think about the management or the people you see uh, on TV, the coach, the assistant coach, your goalkeeper coach, your fitness coach. But there's so much that goes on behind the scenes uh, in terms of marketing, in terms of the same media. 
So shed some light on, on, right. on that. How important is the uh, uh, a fit and functioning backroom staff in addition to a fit and functioning um, team who goes out on the pitch? Oh, yes. Um, definitely Atlas has opened my eyes to how the backroom staff, how the marketing staff, you know, how everything goes hand in hand with the team because you can't have Craig or Craig and the coaches doing everything. Like, uh, when we are at games, we have to focus on the team. Then you would have uh, Asher dealing with the the tweets, the tweets about the goals and the score and that and that kind of thing. You really don't see that in a lot of love Bajan football. And I love what the club is doing and things like that are attracting people to the club because we live in 2020 right now. There's no way that clubs in Barbados should not be doing what we are doing. And I believe that we are ahead of the mall and we will continue to be ahead of the mall because the backroom staff is super important to the club, to the brand of the club, and also to the players. It will do the, the, the players and the team very, very, very well. And I must commend everybody in the backroom staff who usually doesn't get to be at the forefront of Atlas. But the backroom staff, down to every single person around the club, the uh, ambassadors around the club as well, they are doing their part. Everybody has a part to play. And as long as everybody plays their part, Atlas will be going very, very, very far. So a message to all those clubs out there, get your backroom staff, get your marketing in order because it can also help Beijing football too. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something I told Craig as well. I think you all are really ahead of the mole and ahead of the curve when it comes to local football. A lot of these clubs, I believe, are still living in the, um, the golden era of maybe the 80s and early 90s just living off the fact that fans, there are devoted fans who are going to come out rather than really treating football like a business and marketing yourselves and really positioning yourselves in such a way that people know about your club and people can come out and watch your club and support your club and, you know, really build the culture of football in Barbados because it can only benefit us. Well, we will see the benefits on the international stage. You see the difference in how the Trinidadians and the Jamaicans, even the Guyanese, focus on their football and their club football and their league. Oh, yeah. And you see the, oh, yeah. the tangible benefits on the pitch for the national team. So I think there's a lot for football clubs to know, even at the highest level in Barbados. There's a lot for them to know and yeah. do. And as well, in terms of following Atlas's example, I think that they can learn a lot from you guys. So I'm very pleased that you guys are the ones go you know, going over the hill, the first fighters over the hill to battle all of the, the negativity and pestilence that may come with establishing a football club on this level and pushing the envelope for the clubs that may come after you and even the clubs that have been here yeah. uh, before you. Uh, before we go... Yeah, it can even... Yeah. It can even... Before we go, yeah, it can even start with um, secondary school because I, I sometimes watch the secondary school league on TV and they come from my home in Jamaica. Right. Like, things like that are so easy. Like, I mean, can't, hasn't Barbados been looking at, at things like that? I've seen some of the the secondary schools now have a lot, of, a lot of big sponsors and numerous sponsors. So, 
why can't we have the secondary school league broadcasting on TV yet? Like, you know, um, put put some money into that because as a youngster, you will feel good being on TV. Your parents will get to see you on TV playing football and, you know, it, it will send a message to them as well because it's usually said, you know, you always have this stigma. You can go and play football and get your foot hurt and don't get nothing out of it. Living I, hate, in, I hate to hear that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's all about giving, you know, giving people shine. And even when I when I do my articles, etc., I love to include even the referee's name, the goalkeeper's name, all of these players, because I realize okay. that if you play a game, if Ellerton play Wales on Saturday and a player from Ellerton score twice and assist once, he is reading that, even if Ellerton lost, he is reading that article looking for his name and looking for some mention of him uh, doing these great things. And the same thing, as you said, for the schoolboys. Right. We have schoolboy football here, but we just, um, they got to trade at 10 as well, try to bring the football to the people. But, you know, we broadcast on YouTube. We need greater resources so that we can have this football on CBC, so that we can have it on greater networks and and I don't know if, because you work at CBC, I don't know if you can say a little thing. <laughs> Make a little mention. Trust me, trust me. I, I am working on it, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I can do in, uh, um, at yeah. CBC. It's, it's not yeah. easy, but I'm, I'm doing, of, of course I'm doing what I can do for the yeah, club. we got to give everybody a little shine, man. But before we go, i got one last question to ask you, and then we out to here quick, right? And I want, I want just no a problem. quick answer. Don't think about it. Messi or Ronaldo? <laughs> oh, you could tell me not the thing over here, bro. All right, just just tell me, just tell me, man, just tell me. All right, um, the first, one, the first one. I there's no. The first one I kind of may have will always be Messi. As a United fan, Messi. Yeah. Oh, okay. You you said the first one All I kind of may have, so I, okay. I. I'm also I'm also an Argentine oh. supporter, so. I got, yeah. But I can't, I can't put one on two because one is extremely gifted. That's a messy, and not taking away anything from him. He does work hard too. But CR is more of a machine mm. when it comes to, to working out, and you know, and he has another thing. He has played in three major leagues. But that being said. Messi's still at Barcelona and he's still a legend at his club as well. So I can't I can't put one before the other. So AON stand for Argentina or nothing. <laughs> that is the first time that anybody has ever said that. It's all all or nothing oh, it's, though. It's all or nothing. Oh, okay, okay. I thought it was yeah. Argentina or nothing. Uh oh. Uh, but nah. how I how I try to end the debate, I say Messi for sure. Is the greatest Barcelona player ever. I can and agree. Ronaldo, maybe some people debate mm-hmm. me on this as well, but Ronaldo is the greatest European player ever because he's mm-hmm. won many Champions Leagues, won the uh, inaugural Nations League, won Europe. the Euros. And so I, I think he's the best European player. Well, Messi is the best Barcelona player. And I could extend out the same Messi is the best La Liga player ever as well. I can agree. Yeah, so I can I, agree to I both. To so make those two distinctions so that everybody is pleased and everybody um, can rank their favorite how they want to. So if they're one and two, who's three? Boy, that boy, who? <laughs> that is the bigger debate because I think 
That is the next debate. Overall in life, Messi and Ronaldo are one and two. Mm-hmm. Overall. From right. all the footballers we've seen that have played the game from 1870, however, to now, Messi and Ronaldo one and two. Mm-hmm. But that third spot, that is the biggest debate. And I think that's probably a more crucial debate than the one and two. Because the one and two is, is simple. It doesn't matter which order you put Messi and Ronaldo them at the top. But that third two, yeah. one, it could be the same Pele, Maradona, Zidane. It could be a whole plethora of names. But one thing we have to agree on is those two guys, that guy from Argentina and that guy from Portugal, are one and Phenomenal. two. Phenomenal. And you can model if you model your game and your 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 uh, intensity and your uh, attachment to the game on these two guys. I think that you're in good grazing as a footballer for sure. Definitely. Yeah, man. So skills, I give thanks for you, my Combamarian brother, and. Give thanks, yeah. bro. Up we can talk some more in the turning, you know? Yes, no this problem. has been another episode of All In with Atlas United with my guy AON Skills, a.k.a. Argentina or nothing, a.k.a. All or nothing. <laughs> I have been Nick Maitland, King Roots, the Roots King, the number one Roots man, live from Roots Jungle, and it is see you next time.